Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam, and I am your host, Tariq Alameen. If you are listening over the airwaves, you are tuned in to WCEV 1450 AM, broadcasting to you live from Chicago. And if you are streaming, you are streaming at www.wcev1450.com. For our new listeners, Radio Islam is a live call-in talk program, and we air every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Central. And we are on social media, so if you, uh, if you frequent Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, you can find us on all those platforms at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. In particular, uh, with regard to our Facebook page, our Facebook page we keep open during our programs. And we do monitor them. So if there's a comment uh, that is made or there's a comment that you would like to make, we invite you to use that and post away. And we will make sure that we have your comment or your question interjected into our conversation. If you'd like to give us a call, our number is 312-750-1178. That is 312-750-1178. So, Radio Islam family, uh, for those of you who are in the Chicagoland area, uh, for those of you who are, uh, as a matter of fact, for those of you who are not, one of the things that I'm sure we can all agree upon is that, that we have a reliance in today's modern world. We have a reliance on the men and the women who provide uh, a sense of safety and security. For those of us um, who are in, you know, as we live in this modern world, that's something that we've come to just take for granted, being able to pick up the phone, dial 911, and say there's a fire at such and such a place. And we know that within minutes we'll hear the sirens and, you know, and the guys will jump out and get to work, you know, dousing the area with water. And, and, and they're, there, they're there to respond and to, you know, and, and to help. So that's, there's a security in that. There's a security in knowing that if you see someone breaking into a home, that you can pick up the phone, you can dial 911 and say, you know, this, some idiot is, is breaking into my neighbor's house, I don't recognize this person, or somebody is being attacked, or whatever the situation might be. Somebody's having their, their, their cars being stolen, and you can call and you can say, and, and, and tell what's going on, and you can expect that there's going to be a response, right? There's a security. Uh, that's a part of the unseen and sometimes not really talked about uh, comforts of, of modern life that we have. But there's also another side to that, right? And the other side to that, um, the other side to that uh, unspoken Stability and uh, the appreciation that we have for our for, for our first responders. Uh, the other side of that is that there there is a a power and an authority that comes with that. And unfortunately, the nature of power, when it is not checked, when it is not channeled, when there is no oversight, the nature of it is that power corrupts. There's an old saying, uh, family. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the saying that says that. Uh, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it's fairly simple, self-explanatory. And when we have, so what I'm transitioning into here, uh, because I want to make sure that I'm not talking about this uh, subject in a, in a manner that ignores the vital and integral uh, part or aspect that our first responders, that our police in this instance, because we want to talk about them uh, for a few minutes in, in, in the uh, top of the uh, program, that we don't overlook the vital uh, function that they perform, right? That we don't appreciate having this as a part of our society. But even within that appreciation, there's a necessary critique that has to be made uh, and, and should be made in order to make sure that those with authority are functioning, they are functioning with, uh, with an awareness that their authority is not, it is not an authority that is born of their own being, but authority that is, that is vested in them, that, that is a trust, 
So being in Chicago, Chicago has a has quite a interesting history. Uh, colorful would not be the right uh, descriptor. Um, it would probably be uh, tragic. And it's unfortunate that the publicized accounts of police misconduct or police brutality or police corruption, it's unfortunate that those publicized accounts overshadow the thousands of police officers that serve with integrity, that serve uh, with an awareness that they are recipients of the public trust. It is unfortunate, but it is a reality. And a part of that reality is because the culture that our police departments function under, in particular, we're going to talk about our Chicago Police Department, of which I have quite a few friends um, that are Chicago police officers. I've had family members that were Chicago police officers. Uh, I myself was in law enforcement some years, years ago. Um, so I'm, I, I guess I have somewhat of a soft spot, but that soft spot does not, it doesn't uh, prohibit me from, uh, from constructive uh, critique that is in the best interest of, uh, of, of the public. So <clears throat> there, was a, there was a judgment that was issued earlier today, uh, and that judgment was in relation to the, uh, and this, uh, I saw this in the uh, Chicago Tribune, and it basically stated, it says, a judge rules against new police, di- judge rules against new police disciplinary guidelines in victory for FOP, which is the Fraternal Order of Police. Now, I'm just going to share just a, a, a quick, a quick segment um, of this. Uh, I, I invite you to to read this yourself. But as I read this, think about two things. First thing is, first thing is this. When uh, and the translation is that when 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 Allah says that His word is confirmed in truth and justice, right? And then think about this also. Uh, there's a ayat that I, a verse that I spoke about yesterday, just mentioning about our responsibility on, um, on being witnesses or uh, to, to justice, about upholding justice and not letting personal interests, not letting our personal uh, likes or sensitivities or dislikes influence our upholding of justice. So think, keep those things in mind as I read just a little bit of this article. So, <clears throat> uh, and this is by Dan Hinkle, who's a, a contact reporter with the Tribune. It says, an administrative law judge has recommended that the Illinois Labor Relations Board throw out the Chicago Police Department's new disciplinary guidelines, dealing an early defeat to the city as it attempts to standardize the punishments of an erratic and often toothless police disciplinary system. The finding in favor of the city's largest police union, the Chicago Fraternal Order Police, determined that the department violated labor law by failing to bargain with the union over the new guidelines. The recommendation from Administrative Law Judge Anna Hamburg-Gal calls on the state board to force the police department to rescind any discipline imposed under the advisory guidelines since they were adopted in February and reassess the punishments to be imposed under the more informal system in place before the guidelines existed. While it is unclear how many cases could be affected, the city closes hundreds of disciplinary cases in a typical month. Through the first five months of this year, for example, the department had closed more than 2,000 disciplinary cases, though historically the department has found misconduct and levied punishment only in a slim percentage of cases. Now, I read this to you, I share this with you for uh, the, following, the following reason. How can, we have, uh, how can we have this necessary part of our society, this necessary part that provides a, a service that is to be commended? How can they function properly? How can they administer justice when they themselves are not committed to the idea of justice. Now, I know 
from a contractual standpoint, that you know, we can take issue to say that uh, the judge is saying that they basically have to go back. The city has to go back and sit down with the um, with the leadership of the FOP and hammer out any uh, any type of uh, any type of new changes. They have to negotiate on those things, right? But it should it should resonate with us the fact that they call the FOPs, uh, the dis- disciplinary uh, system in place, called it toothless. And in reality, for anyone who has had any interaction with the Chicago Police Department or seen them working uh, or, or who has seen those bad actors, who has grown up in communities where those bad actors have grown up or they have gotten older, they have uh, stayed on, they have been those constant faces in the communities that they are supposed to be serving, but instead they find themselves um, predators. They find themselves abusers of their authority. And when complaints are put up against them, those complaints are met met with, well, they're, they're not met with much of anything. So, and I understand, uh, Radio Islam family, this may not be something that every one of you is intimately familiar with, but I can, I can assure you from my own, my own experience, and of course I'm not speaking for everyone, but I grew up in the inner city. I grew up in Inglewood, and my own interactions as a young man, as, as a teen, right, 15, six, matter of fact, Quick story, I remember I was 16 years old, and I had just got my license, and I dropped a friend off uh, late one night. I had a part-time job, still in high school, of course, 16, and I dropped the uh, dropped my friend off in Roseland. Now, Roseland, at least as long as I've been alive, it has always had sections or, or parts of it that have been known um, to be home to... Um, home to to some criminal activity right and i say that i say that warily because i'm not the intent is not to criminalize an entire community but unfortunately uh, i mean it just makes sense right if you're looking for crime you will find crime right so this conversation could certainly delve off into uh considerations of police uh resource allocation uh the over policing of communities of color. Uh, it could go off into uh, sentencing. It could go off into economic uh, considerations, jobless rates, education, uh, educational policies. And I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot that is that, that the whole crime, um, the crime element is wrapped around or that, that it, it is a part of. So without really going off into that, just just to keep that in mind, I dropped off uh, a co-worker in Roseland, and as I was pulling off, and I'm driving some old, some old hoopty, some, right, I mean, nothing, nothing flashy, just some old bucket, and, and uh, I look up, and I got the lights on behind me. I pull over. I'm maybe 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, 140 pounds. Uh, I've never been, you know, I've, I've never been in a gang, but like pretty much everybody else, uh, any other, uh, African-American male at that time, you could say that you always, you knew someone in a gang, you knew plenty of people. Matter of fact, uh, if you weren't in one, then you had family members that were, that, that were part of, part of gangs. Right. But the point was, I was not in a gang. That was never my, uh, that was never who I was. So as the lights are on behind me, they get out and I notice that four doors, all four doors, all four doors open. And there's this, and and there, these are all African-American men. And they all get out and they all have something in their hand. And the first guy is holding a golf club 
And to be quite honest with you, uh, I don't remember what everyone else was holding or, but I just, I don't think I will ever forget this. Uh, I just remember I was scared for my life. Uh, And not really understanding what I had done, but just looking at them and seeing them as a threat, not as a protector. I didn't see them in the way that I described police uh, at the beginning, you know, of my remarks here tonight with the Redesign family. I didn't see them as integral parts of society offering a service, offering stability, or being representatives of stability for us. I didn't see them in that light. I saw them in that moment as threats to my own safety. All right, so I didn't know what was going to happen. So to make a long story shorter, I'll, I'll share this, that he came up to my uh, window, obviously seeing that I'm this, basically this little kid, um, did not talk to me very nicely at all. Matter of fact, he used quite a bit of profanity with me. You know what? Let me, let me, let me go back a little bit. I think I pulled off and my tires might have screeched a little bit. Now, mind you, I'm not in, I'm not in a sports car. I think I was driving like a 71 Dodge or 79 Dodge Coronet, which they, those used to be old police cars. Uh, for the, those of you who, who know your cars. And I think that is, yeah, that's what probably got their attention. But point being, um, as he comes up to my window and he talks to me, and he's telling me, uh, basically, you know, basically asking me, what's your problem? Why are you driving like this? And he's using all kinds of ex- expletives with me. And my only response could be or was, well, you know, I, I'm sorry. Right. You know, I, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I didn't mean anything. I'm just dropping the guy off. I'm going home. Uh, and he's still looking at me and talking to me with the golf club in his hand. And then he told me to, you know, get out of there. Uh, and, and not so nicely. So I left, but I was shaken. And what what has come to mind since that point, right, since that point almost almost 30 years ago, is there are quite a few, if you were to, to ask some of those who are on the police department, in particular um, people of, of color, why they've joined the police department. They, I don't think they will tell you this, but I know this, I know this for a fact. The security of being on the other side, the security on being on the side where you don't have to worry about being uh, mistreated, where you don't have to worry about being threatened, where you don't have to worry about being demeaned as an individual, is a definite plus. If the system can't be overhauled, then, well, then I'm going to get on the the winning side. So I I bring this back to today's judgment. These are the types of people that that have been allowed to stay, that have been allowed to have careers, and they have raised families, and while raising families, although they may not be in a majority, they have waged, uh, they have taken a toll on the families of the people that they are supposed to serve. Some of you may remember John Burge, who was the notorious police commander who was convicted, tried of, um, uh, tried for uh, torturing suspects to elicit false confessions. And there were plenty of those confessions that were thrown out once, once, all, of this, uh, once all of this came out. For every one that's caught, you must understand that there are three, four, five, whatever the number you want to think, that have been able to skate by and continue to operate under the radar. And a part of that is because there are no standardized disciplinary procedures. 
Now, unlike perpetrators of crime, right, we've moved from a judge's discretion years ago to now where we have mandatory sentencing. There's no equivalent for that in, uh, when it comes to police discipline. Even while we continue to watch uh, news, we continue to see news reports of, uh, of African-American men who, are, who lose their lives in what appears to the public to be questionable, at best, uh, under questionable circumstances. And not just questionable. There was one gentleman who, I believe, what was this, in South Carolina? I can't remember one, but I, just, I remember the video. I remember him running away, and I remember him being shot and, 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 and killed. And I know that he was not, the police officer w- was not convicted. He, there was no, there was no, uh, there was no discipline. So Chicago is in is in a unique uh, in a unique space as a global city, as a city that uh, quite often is looked at in terms of its public policy, whether it be in education or whether it be uh, law enforcement, um, business, its politics. It has an opportunity to set uh, to set a precedent, to set an example on how police reform is going to take place, how it's going to, uh, how it's going to evolve. Now, our police, they have to be, they have to be on board. They have to be on board because they have to recognize that there is a problem. And it can't simply be this blue wall. It can't simply be partisanship um, and I use, the, I use that term uh, because that is pretty much what it looks like it looks like whatever is blue uh, whoever's in uniform that's what we're going to stand with and we're not going to worry about what is right we're not going to worry about justice but on a state level because because our politicians on a state level, because those who are looking at the way things have progressed, they realize that there, there is a need for oversight. There's a, there's a need for external uh, pressure because our department has not, has not been able to take the steps to course correct on its own. So there was, uh, if you all recall, a couple of months ago, uh, there was a consent decree. And I want to share just a little bit of that with you, um, uh, which with with regard to police, uh, with regard to police reform. And we'll share just a few thoughts on that. And then, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just share a few thoughts on that Radio Islam family. So uh, if you're just tuning in, we're just sharing a few remarks about uh, police reform. Uh, there was a article in the Tribune uh, today. Which uh, which spoke about the judge, a judge who ruled against, excuse me, which ruled against uh, new disciplinary guidelines, uh, which was a victory for the uh, Fraternal Order of Police. So we're going to go ahead and just play a few 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 seconds of this, uh, uh, a few a few clip a, a clip of this um, report. So here we go. Okay. All right. All right. You know what? All right, we we keep we keep doing this to you, don't we? That's the second time. Okay, here we go. Here we go, Radio Slum family. The state of Illinois is suing the city of Chicago, an attempt to change the culture at the Chicago Police Department. As CBS 2's Roseanne Teas explains, in a strange twist, the mayor is glad the city's being sued. To combat violence and rebuild trust, we need true police reform and accountability. To get it, Illinois Attorney General Lisa Madigan is suing. The state of Illinois versus the city of Chicago seeks a consent decree to tackle police reform, including community input and an independent monitor, all overseen by a federal judge. Be an enforcement mechanism, and that's the real reason why a consent decree is absolutely vital. We are essentially stepping into the shoes of the Department of Justice, shoes that the DOJ has abandoned at this point. 
In an about face, Mayor Emanuel, who has said federal oversight was unnecessary, called it a new partnership. It's going to require, as the Attorney General Lisa Madigan just said, a sustained not only effort, but one with oversight that makes sure that we never stay veer off the road of reform. Just today, as Chicago police officers were in court for allegedly covering up misconduct in the Laquan McDonald shooting, a judge said more indictments could be on the way. It shows um, the depth of the problems, the nature of those problems that aren't just going to be solved um, overnight. Law professor Craig Futterman warns any decree that doesn't include meaningful community input won't have earned the trust of the entire community, and that trust is a necessary component to being successful. And the Fraternal Order of Police weighed in, calling the deal a potential catastrophe for Chicago, saying in a statement that this consent decree will only handcuff the police even further. Now, Madigan, the mayor, and the police superintendent all said they think reform is complementary, not all right, Radio Sound family. Just wanted to share a little bit of um, of what is going on, and we talked about this in terms of the the local impact. Uh, and you know, sometimes you are able to make you're able to make corrections on your own, uh, and there are other times that we have to have uh, intervention. And basically, that news that news uh, that that press conference was the announcement of an intervention. And that was from August 29th of this year, not, not too long ago. Uh, its implementation is certainly going to be compromised, uh, I believe, under the uh, current administration that we have, which is not pro-justice, but pro-law enforcement. And see, we have to understand that there's a big difference between the two. Law enforcement serves the function of administering justice, of upholding justice. It is not justice in and of itself. Uh, you must be just. You must have just individuals. You must have people. Uh, you, have, you must have a culture that is committed to justice in order to have that outcome. And there was something else that was mentioned, uh, that was mentioned in that clip, and it was about community input. And just like, and I know we're not, this is not the, the crux or the, the point of our conversation uh, tonight, but just like with education, right, we don't have an elected school board. And I wonder, uh, I'm certainly interested, you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts uh, on that. Uh, but that, uh, as, a, as an example, it holds true throughout all the various levels of, of community uh, involvement through all levels of, uh, of service uh, that are rendered toward, toward a community, that they should have some oversight that they should have some decision-making ability uh, that is a part of how they are served. Uh, and that is why we have underserved, well, I don't like to use the word underserved. I think we have improperly served communities. Um, but the point that was mentioned, it was that there should be a community input with regard to police oversight, with regard to um, disciplinary uh, procedures, and the police response to that is that they would that it would further handcuff police, as if police are not able to do their jobs, as it is right now. And I'll, I'll tell you this: I'm not one who accepts the uh, the rhetoric of when when police do take someone's life. Uh, especially under questionable circumstances, that I feared for my life, and that's a standard. That's a standard response. That's a standard refrain that you're going to hear uh, from police, not just here in Chicago, but but around the around the country, um, because that is something that is used. Uh, that has become the basis of a defense, and unfortunately, my response to that is. Well, if you're scared, then maybe you shouldn't be doing this work because you literally have the lives of other people in your hands. And if you are not steady enough, if you're not sure enough in your abilities uh, or if the work itself bothers you uh, that much, if it compromises your, your judgment, if it gives you an itchy trigger finger, then maybe this is not 
this is not the work that you should be doing. Because it is community trust that that was really at the at the base of uh, Attorney uh, General uh, Lisa Madigan um, of, of that that conversation. It's community trust. It's developing community trust so that our communities function in ways that are not that are not dysfunctional. It's not fear that we're looking for, and that unfortunately, it is fear and resentment that are oftentimes the real markers of or that really characterize the relationships that exist in communities, uh, particularly in communities of color, in response to those who are policing them. Unfortunately, uh, those who are often, uh, those who are often uh, white men. Now, I'm speaking um, plainly with the intent that we understand that uh, as Muslims, Right. As Muslims, we don't place any value on on an ethnicity, on a uh, on these racial um, uh, characteristics or, or the racial stratification that is that is uh, that really that the United States, that our society uh, has become so much a reflection of as Muslims. That's up. That's not something that we buy into. Right. It's not something we're supposed to. Right. But that's another that's another discussion, because this whole thing of color consciousness, of of, of racism, um, it is something that it also it does permeate the Muslim community as well. It's something that it's an unfortunate thing that we have to deal with, but we don't fix it by not talking about it, by not dealing with it. So within the context of how race has played out in the United States and its makeup in the city of Chicago and its makeup. And how city, uh, and how our law, for, law enforcement function in relation to uh, the African American community and to communities of color, that is one that, as I said, it is it is characterized by feelings of resentment and uh, distrust. Often, more often than not. So, if we want to move to having a relationship. That is built. Uh, that is that is built on uh, trust. That is built on mutual respect. Then what must happen is there must be accountability. There has to be accountability, and if there is no accountability, and by that I mean, if we know that we have bad actors in our departments. And nothing is done to to uh, either one, depending on the the level of their uh, transgressions. If nothing is done to to uh, to redeem them, to 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 help them change, uh, to sensitize them, right? Because sometimes the transgressions are simply uh, just the the interpersonal uh, actions, uh, just the the language that is used, the lack of cultural sensitivity. Sometimes those. The transgression may may fall right there. And that's something that can be remediated. But sometimes it goes further than that. And if it goes further than that and it comes down to bodily harm, if it comes down to uh, 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 demuning an an individual, uh, taking away their their human dignity, if it goes to that point, if it goes to the point where, like this fella, um, uh, the one that shot, that killed, uh, Laquan McDonald, that came up on the scene, and within less than 20 seconds, where there are people already on the scene, there are already officers on the scene, and Laquan is a, a good distance away from him, not posing any type of a threat to anyone, and it's on video, and he just comes up and he's shooting. I mean, multiple 16 shots. There's no remediation for that. There's no intervention for that, for those situations, for those scenarios. And when those who are charged with upholding justice and administering justice, being agents of justice, when they are the ones who run to his defense, they lose all they lose all respect 
in the sight of those who have been wronged. They lose all respect. They lose, they lose all credibility. So it's not just about enforcing the law. It's not about the police uh, having the power to enforce the law. It's about the citizens that entrust them with this uh, authority. It's about the citizens believing that they are credible, that they are accountable, and that they are just. And that's the type of culture. That's the type of culture that we want. But you can't have that type of culture if you don't have accountability. If you don't have transparency. If the average citizen sees the same bad actor in uniform day in and day out. And they go and they complain and they, they file complaints and they, they ask to speak to a supervisor. They talk to, talk to the sergeant. They, they talk to a lieutenant. They talk to a commander. And nothing happens. And that same individual is still out on the beat. Then that department loses its credibility. That leadership structure loses its, its credibility with that community. And I'm not talking about isolated uh, incidents. I'm not talking about people, you know, with a grudge against an officer, right? Somebody that's up to no good, that's doing dirt. I'm talking about when you have situations where officers have multiple, multiple complaints, whether it be excessive violence or uh, whatever the situation uh, may be, and they're allowed to continue on, uh, that in itself is a problem. So, uh, Radio Islam family, I encourage us, number one, uh, to participate in whatever ways possible. I encourage us to remember that it is justice that uh, that we uphold, and we are not. You know, and 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 to make these conscious efforts to move away from these ideas of of making decisions uh, and making uh, jumping to conclusions off of our own uh, likes and dislikes, but really look for that 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 element. Uh, that that seed of justice, right? And that's that that is what distinguishes us from uh, from those who just give in to their emotions and their own their own interests. So you're listening to Radio Islam at WCEV fourteen fifty AM, streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. I'm your host Tariq Alamine. We're going to take a short break, and we will be right back. I became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager, too. When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Assalamu alaikum. Sound Vision is starting a new initiative to provide crisis intervention to those in need. Through the crisis text line, anyone can text 741-741 and be connected via text to a trained crisis counselor who is there to listen and show empathy. The crisis text line is open to everyone. By texting the keyword SALAM, that's S-A-L-A-M, to 741-741, users will be connected to a trained Muslim counselor whenever available. You can also volunteer to undergo training and become a counselor. For more information, visit soundvision.com.
Welcome back. Welcome back, Great Islam family. This is your host, Tariq Alameen. And I'm actually just enjoying that that background right now. We may do, we may do this at one point. We may just do a whole show. Some of our favorite, some of our favorite intro music. <laughs> so we actually went a little bit further than we intended to. The 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 hope was to talk about some local, uh, some of the local uh, concerns, and then move out to some of the national, and then get into some of the global stuff. But uh, that's what happens when you you get paid to talk. Um, you know, no one tells you to really be quiet. So, um, but anyway, we are here, Radio Islam family. Uh, for those of you who are just tuning in. Uh, this is Radio Islam at WCEV 1450 AM, and we are streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. Make sure that you follow us and like us on social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our Facebook page is open, and uh, if you'd like to interject, make a comment or any observation, feel free to do so there. Or give us a call at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. So we're going to take these uh, last remaining moments and just just do a little uh, reflection on the Senate hearings today uh, regarding the, well, not necessarily the Russia investigations. They covered quite a bit. But um, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, he, he, was, um, he spoke before um, uh, the Senate today and uh, before Congress. I'm sorry, and uh, answered quite a few questions. And one thing that kept coming up today, uh, and because just for the for the because we're short on time, I'm not going to play the clip. But I would if if you haven't seen any seen any of them, there's one in particular. Uh, well, there are a couple, but I'm just going to give you one that I would say I really recommend you to to look at, and that was his uh, questioning by uh, Congressman uh, Luis uh, Gutierrez uh, from, uh, from Illinois. Um, uh, matter of fact, a district not too far from, from here. Um, I think he's, his district is, district is part of the Humble Park. Uh, that's a part of his, his district. But his, his questioning, it was, it was just a breath of fresh air. It was, it was hilarious. Uh, but what kept coming up was this constant refrain from Attorney General Sessions, which is, I don't remember, I don't recall. And I guess there's nothing really unique about that. Um, that's, that's kind of the, the politician's, you know, duct tape uh, that, you know, you keep that with you at all times because you never know when you're going to need it. Um, but I thought it was just really, really uh, interesting to hear the, uh, the, the talk and it was and it was in so many different areas, right? I mean, they 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 pressed him on. Of course, they pressed him on uh, the fellow Papadopoulos and uh, the other gentleman. Uh, what's this guy's name? Um, uh, it'll 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 come back to me uh, most likely after after the show's over. But uh, they pressed him on those on those issues, whether or not he had any knowledge of. Uh, any connections or meetings uh, between the Trump campaign um, during its, you know, uh, during uh, his candidacy uh, and uh, and Russia, any Russian officials. And of course, his answer was uh, no at the time. And it came out later on that, in fact, he was aware that Papadopoulos, you know, uh, tried to get a meeting or wanted to go further, uh, whatever the situation was. But the whole the, the end result for me my own opinion and you know and I feel free to feel free to give yours was that we have once again we have a a serious accountability problem and there is something about and I'm not going to call him uh, I'm not going to call him uh, a liar right because quite frankly we can only go off of 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 what the individual says he says some things that have been inconsistent yes absolutely uh, but it's only it's only God. It's only a lot that knows, you know, what's in our hearts. Um, but I, I will say this. I would hope that we can have people that are responsible for such 
such weighty areas of our lives uh, that are responsible for um, uh, aspects of our government that have such far-reaching uh, importance that we can get some people who can remember something. Um, I mean, maybe a memory test is something that we need to look at because how can you how can you have folks that are that are in these positions but can't remember anything? That just that, that doesn't make that doesn't make much sense to me. Um, and if that's the case, then you need to start writing things down. Right. You need to start writing stuff down because these I don't remember uh, answers are not they're just not going to cut it in terms of uh, of instilling confidence. On, as far as and, and I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak for the American people right now. Right. Um, I hear congressmen, I hear senators, I hear elected officials all the time speaking for the American people. And I don't recall in all of my years, my phone has never rang and none of them have ever asked me what I thought. So I don't feel like they're really speaking for me, but I know the people that, that I've spoken to. Um, I know the folks that I've spoken to and I know uh, the concerns that have been that have been brought up to me around the, 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 the dinner tables and in the community forums uh, that I have attended. And that is that there is no uh, and, and one of the, those sentiments are that there is not a there, the, the element of trust. It is non-existent for the most part when it comes to most of our elected officials. And it is because of this propensity for dodging questions, for giving answers that that sound good or answers that that ha that are vague. So you can go back to them later on and change a position or just telling people what they want to hear. So. I am saying that the American people want better, the American people want more than what we have been getting. They want a transparent. We want a, a leadership that is transparent, uh, a leadership that is uh, consistent and a leadership that is looking out for the best interests of the people and not just looking out for the, the interest of those who are, who are simply just concerned with the profits. And I don't mean profits as in uh, the pH. I mean profits as in money, as in earnings. Right. And we know that Washington is a hotbed for lobbying. And that the agenda uh, that is established, the agenda that these people are speaking to uh, is not one that is representative of the American people, is one that is representative of, of of lobbyists. So what does that mean? Because I don't want to close out with just this observation. I want to close out with this, that it is incumbent upon us as Americans to support to support those uh, organizations and support those individuals who are bound by principle. Who are bound by principle. Right. I'm going to say that again. Who are bound by principle. And if we do that, if we are active in that regard, then we have somewhat of a chance of of, of displacing the lobbyist. But it's uh, but it's something that that we have to take an active part in. So uh, there were quite a few fundraisers uh, that have just taken place over the last couple of weeks right here in Chicago. And I'm sure it is the case uh, in other places around the country where organizations that are trying to make sure that we have a voice in government, uh, that that we are not being overlooked uh, and whether that be issues of uh, voter uh, restriction, whether it be. Um, immigration, whether it is police brutality or police reform, we have organizations that have dedicated uh, their service and their energies to uh, making sure that these concerns, uh, that, that, that their constituency, our concerns are being addressed and that they have some type of, uh, that, that it's being reflected in the policies, being reflected in the laws and the bills that are being put out uh, on the uh, in in the Congress, uh, in in the House and in the Senate, right? So, 
let's make sure that we're doing our part to support those organizations. Let's make sure that we're doing our part uh, in our communities. Uh, let's make sure that we're an active part of this, uh, of this process. Right? That's the only way we change things, and that's the only way that uh, the system as it is understands, or those who are... Um, those who are in positions of authority understand that the demand is for accountability, that the demand is for transparency. And when the demand is high enough, then the, then the principles of economics, the principles of, of, of capitalism, of, uh, of the market come into play. When the demand is high enough, then the product, uh, the product uh, it increases, it appears. So we make a demand and uh, the demand will be met. So, but, it, but, but it must be made. So with that, uh, Radio Islam family, I uh, pray, uh, pray that you have a great rest of your evening. I uh, pray that Allah continues to bless your health, uh, you and your families, give you lives of purpose, uh, and make us of those who are useful uh, to our communities, to our families, and one another. So our executive producer tonight has been Abdul Malik Mujahid. Our engineer has been Ramon. Thank you so much, Ramon, over at WCEV for making sure we come, come through loud and clear. Our engineer in studio, the impressive Ibrahim Bey. I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alameen. Uh, the views expressed by the host or any uh, clips, anything you've heard, uh, should not be attributed to Sound Vision. Uh, they are the exclusive uh, viewpoint of whoever said it. Right. So, inshallah, with God's permission, we'll be talking to you tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. Central. I'm going to leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.